Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Hey, this is a Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Good evening, or good afternoon, or wherever you're from, good something. Uh, good to have you here. If you're, re- if you're, uh, if, this is, ah, if this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It is definitely good to have you here with us uh, this evening uh, here in California, Northern California, Bay Area to be exact. Uh, if you are watching from YouTube, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button and thumbs the video up. If you are on Facebook or any of the other platforms that this is streaming to currently, uh, do me a favor and give it a follow and a like. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, which you will be catching this probably in a week or two, uh, thumb or not subscribe, definitely subscribe. That helps me to become more visible in the podcast platforms themselves and gets me into that new and noteworthy category that we all strive to get to as podcasters so we can become more visible. My guest this evening is Jessica Maloney. And if you've read the description or the, uh, yeah, the description of this broadcast, you'll know that we're going to be talking about abusive behavior and specifically with with a narcissist and and the like and the reason why i chose to reach out to jessica to have her come on the show was a i heard her story in clubhouse which is a place that i've been raving about for the last every time you hear me on this show you hear me talk about how amazing clubhouse is and all of the connection that's happening there and all of the real stories and authentic stuff that's just taking place on that platform is, is like, I can't explain it. You'll have to get over there and find out for yourself because me telling you about it doesn't do it any justice. So I listened to her story and it really resonated with me because I too was that person that she was explaining in her story. And it really touched me in a way that I, I, I had to bring it to you guys and I want you to hear it. And I think the conversation, it will help uh, the conversation and give other people permission to talk about these things uh, themselves too. So let's bring Jessica in. And she's also a psychotherapist and a speaker and a coach. So I almost forgot those things. Hi, Jessica. Hi. How are you? Did you have fun listening to me fumble through that? (laughs) These are the worst. Yeah, I like the uh, the introduction. I feel like we need to be in a stadium somewhere as it builds up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That uh, that uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So 
why don't you let our uh, listeners in the audience know a little bit about you, your background, um, and then maybe let's get into that story of yours that you told in Clubhouse. All right. Well, I mean, I love Clubhouse too. I say the same things that I can't really ever really explain how fantastic it is. And I've been like telling my story a little bit here and there. I feel like it never, ever comes out the same way, but um, I'm Jessica Maloney. I am a empowerment coach. I'm also a licensed mental health counselor in New York, and I am a um, Les Brown trained motivational speaker, and I'm just uh, getting ready to release my self-guided empowerment journal. So that'll be coming out soon. Um, but the story I was telling um, that Sean heard has to do with my own real self-discovery of kind of who I was. Um, because I spent like 30 years, my whole, my whole life, not really knowing my worth, not really knowing who I was. And I found myself a few years ago, broken. I was dismissed. I was belittled. I was afraid. I felt like a prisoner in my own life. And I was exhausted trying to live up to everybody else's standards and expectations. I um, I knew something was wrong in my relationship when I found myself one night crying and hyperventilating and breaking down. And all I could say through all of this was, you broke me. You broke me. And I would, I yelled it. And I realized in that moment, if I was going to change anything, it was, it was going to have to be up to me that I couldn't continue to live in these, this cycle of, you know, what I, what I was in. I, I realized how many signs I ignored because I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to believe it was real. I made excuses because I didn't even trust myself. And I was embarrassed to admit that I kind of allowed this to happen. You know, as, as somebody in the mental health field, I should have known better. And I can't even admit this to myself, let alone the people in my life. But what I learned is no matter how much you know, when you're in it, when you're feeling all these things, you can't see it as well as somebody can from the outside. And you obviously can't blame yourself. But in that moment, I knew no more. I can't do this anymore. And if I was going to make anything change, it was going to be up to me. So as scared as I was, I wasn't too scared anymore to not put me first this time. So I finally started challenging myself. I took the negative messages and I reframed them. And I was finally willing to recognize my own cycles of limiting beliefs and, and the behaviors that I was in. And I created a freedom for myself that I never thought was possible that my self-discovery journal, journal, journey, <laughs> my self-discovery journey was something that was possible. I got strong. I put in the work. I faced my fears. And I've been to hell and I found myself there. And I brought her back with me. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. The more you stay in that sense of discomfort, the more you learn. And I wasn't comfortable for a really long time. 
but I gained my power. I found my strength and I continue to find it as I continue to grow. And I, and I am continued continuously challenged, you know, in various ways, but it's okay because I like me now. And it doesn't matter if somebody else does that I'm not broken as much as I thought I was in those moments that I could never be the person that I used to be. That's an okay thing now because I don't want to be her anymore. And, you know, I talked to like a lot of my clients about some of these things too. And the idea of, you know, what is it is that you're experiencing and what are the things that we're allowing and how are you seeing yourself and how is that impacting the relationships that are around you? And it took me a long time to get here, but I realized that nobody else was going to save me. I had to save me, you know, and the messages and the, the, the jokes and the behaviors and the gaslighting and the underhanded comments or compliments, if you will, what those really meant and how I interpreted them and what they, what I allowed them to do to me then versus now is dramatically different. And that's part of my mission now to be able to help other people who have been stuck in whatever situation relationship that not only can you survive, but you can thrive. That if you are willing to just get a little bit more uncomfortable You can learn so much about your power and build on it that as a, as scared as I was to speak my mind, I, I literally pep talked myself. I, I pumped myself up and I just said it a couple of times and I got better at it. And I started saying no. And it was me that had to build my strength, you know? And sometimes the people that you're around, they don't like that. And that's when you know that like maybe you're growing and the other people around you are not. And that's also an okay thing. Because I think that every person should always be growing and evolving, you know, and we should always be learning more about ourselves. And that's a beautiful thing. But not everybody does not Not everybody wants to. I was forced to, in a sense, I don't know if I would have become this person without this experience, right? They say some things happen to you and some things happen for you. And when you're in it, this is happening to me and I'm pissed. (laughs) Right. But when you have a little bit of hindsight, like I said, I, I learned a lot about myself and the strength that can come out of a very, very difficult situation. And I know that that's something that we connected on too. The things that you can kind of do for yourself and learn from your struggles. So, I mean, I could go on and on. I don't want to just. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and that's exactly the reason why, because I, I identified so much with, with what you were saying. And from my own personal behavior on the other side of that, you know, as the guy that, that was gaslighting, as the guy that was, uh, you know, being a bully, as the guy that was, you know, being verbally abusive, uh, doing all of the things that that don't that don't uh, 
like raise you up. They, they, they tear you down. And as somebody who's supposed to, you know, love the person that you're with and treat them in a way that, that supports them in all the ways. Right. And you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get along with everybody all the time, but as a, as a man, my behavior was so shameful and, and so like gross. And when I think about, when I think back at it and when I think of like my daughter watching some of the things and the things that I was doing, right. And, you know, I wasn't a physically abusive person, but you know, I, I was definitely, you know, emotionally, verbally, and, uh, mentally, and those, I mean, those are no better. There, I mean, there's no, there's no good or bad to any of these or one, one's less and one's more, you know, I used to, to think that way until somebody actually th- that had been through physical abuse and is like, you know, you need to stop saying that because that's not true. Just because you have one perspective of it, you can't really speak on the other one. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I, I don't, you know, so I shouldn't. And when you know better, you do better, right? At least you should. For sure. sure. Yeah. I was, um, I've been participating in this women's abuse awareness, um, clubhouse room. Actually, it's a big event that they're doing today. Um, but I spoke about this earlier, the idea of psychological, mental, and emotional abuse. It is obviously much harder to detect, but it can be just as damaging, if not more, you know, and, it's something that I think a lot of people don't recognize as a form of abuse because there's no, there's no bruises. And like, I remember saying to myself that like that exact thing, if he hits me, then I'll know. Then it's okay to like call this what it is, but there's always an excuse, right? Whether it was me making it up or somebody else. Oh, it's just a joke. Oh, I didn't mean it. Oh, you're too sensitive. You're too emotional. That didn't happen or it didn't happen like that, mm-hmm. you know? And those are the things, you know, the, the gaslighting that we don't see it because it's not a, a, a finite definition of it. You know, the idea of joking versus humiliation, you know, the idea of, you know, somebody not being good enough because they don't make the same amount of money or the job is not as difficult as mine. You know, and, and when do we when do we let that be something that's not okay? You know, when do we stand up for some level of just respect? I, w- I was going to say equality, but it doesn't necessarily have to all be equal. But there's a level of respect that has to be there, and you know, I think that goes for any and all relationship mm-hmm. because it's not okay for you to say one thing and do another, right? That my actions tell me that. You don't love me, but your words tell me you do. And then sometimes it's really hard to figure out which to believe, you know? And like, I don't know, you tell me, like, can it be something that like you believe when you say it, but you also believe when you act in a way that's not from a loving place, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say. And like I said, it's not something that can be seen. There's no bruises. There's no cuts. There's no broken bones. Mm -hmm but there's a lot of other things that happen on the inside. And to me, I mean, listen, like physical abuse is a very serious thing, but the emotional, mental, and psychological, it can tear you apart from the inside out. 
and the damage of mental health from these situations can be lifelong, you know? And it's, I just think it's something to be spoken about because people don't know it. I have a client who um, was in a situation She's um, in the process of divorce. And when she was telling me about things that her husband used to do, I told, I said, you know, that's abuse. And she was like, what? No, no. I was like, yeah. And I was like, you need to say that. You need to use that word. I mean, she's going to court. She's fighting for her kids. And, you know, it's, that's the reality of it. And we don't realize it. We don't want to see it maybe, you know, it's the same way. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Everything that you said right there is right on. Um, you know, I, I, uh, that was the hardest thing for me to, to, to come to terms with and to say was like, I was an abusive person because there's a lot of shame. Like I said, that that's wrapped up into that, you know, and you know, no matter what the reasons are for it, you know, maybe a lot of it I think has to do with how, what I grew up, grew up watching, um, a lot of it also too was, you know, the, the, the habits and the behaviors that, that, you know, maybe 18 years of, of addiction and, and, you know, to meth and, and, you know, all the stuff that goes on with that, um, you know, that it just sort of ingrains it into, into your, your like fabric of you and your subconscious and how you, you know, your auto responses. I mean, it doesn't excuse it, but here you go again, you know once you know you need to do better and you know playing ignorance is is uh is not an excuse anymore once once you realize what it is that you're doing and i think what really got me to understand what what was happening in that kind of behavior and it, i mean it's not to to throw my ex under the bus in any way whatsoever but she was doing it back to me and so like i would I would go, whoa, wait, like she's actually playing this game way better than I am. <laughs> Honestly. We usually do. <laughs> and and I was like, holy moly, you know, and I, you know, I it just that really it was almost mirrored back right at me. And I'm and I'm almost looking at myself. And, you know, and, and the only person that I can, you know, that can change that is what you said, is you. You know, you have to be able to identify what it is that you're doing and, and, and how are you going to mitigate that? And how are you going to show up once you, once you realize that, you know, and then yeah. what kind of a, I think, yeah, sorry. no, 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 go ahead. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's important point. Yeah, no, it's, it's so important, you know, that like, um, once you like realize what's going on, like when, you know, you're, you have these like fight styles where like, I'm hurt. So I want to hurt you. Mm. Right. So like people can hurt people in different ways, but I feel like I feel maybe so hurt by your lack of emotional response that I'm going to be extra hurtful with my words to you. Right. Then who's wrong me for saying something or you for not. Right. So like there are our fight styles where I think hurt people hurt people, you know, that until we realize that, I'm hurt and I need to heal so that I don't keep perpetuating this cycle of hurt. Cause I don't want to get hurt. It's not so much for the other person. 
It's I'm just tired of this. And, you know, that was another big thing. Like once you realize that you're tired of fighting, I feel like that's a big key moment that I just want to take care of me now. I just need to feel better. I can't keep fighting for what it is that I want because I haven't been able to get it. Right. So I give it to me now. I've got to go figure out how I can help me feel better. You know what I mean? Cause like, I can't, I can't expect, you can't expect anybody to change, right? I, I can't, I can't just expect that no matter how much I want it or ask for it. That, you know, like if you can't change the people around you, you change the people around you, you know, and that kind of goes in hands in hand with this idea of looking inward, you know, that, I know that I can't necessarily expect to get everything that I want or need for somebody. So if they're not giving me the things that I need, instead of continuing to fight for them, continuing to hurt back, you start learning how to depend on you. And that's part of where you discover that strength within you. But yeah, I think hurt people hurt people. And, you know, that can be a perpetual cycle of, of fight and hurt for a really long time you know, until somebody realizes that that's kind of what's happening. But it's hard to realize because there's something that you want so desperately more than to feel better. Sometimes it's to fix it, mm-hmm. whether it's the relationship or the argument. And we know that we can't fix people either. Yeah, that was pretty powerful, what you just said when when you, you talked about the fight styles. And, and you know, I I was... I was horrible at this because, you know, I would intentionally, if I, I would go for the jugular verbally. And if I couldn't, if I felt like you hurt me and I couldn't get you back in some way, then I was, you know, that I was very malicious and, and like, I'm going to tear you apart with my words then. And I'm going to use everything that I can, like your issues, your, your, your things that you entrusted me with. And that was like, when I think, when I thought back on that, man, I was just, uh, like I cried for a long time, um, you know, and, and I do still regularly today. I just did earlier. Um, because when, once you get into that, to that space of, of where you're letting out all of that, that shame and, and, and that pain, you know, because it, 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 it was my pain that kept me, you know, my pain from my past, my pain from all of the things that I'd experienced that kept me in this prison. You know, I, I went to prison, you know, and that to me, that was an easier, an easier uh, sentence than, than the one that I'm dealing with trying to fix now, you know, cause I didn't have to deal with anything. I didn't have to feel these emotions coming up randomly all the time. And it wasn't until I started speaking about it that the power got taken away from it and it no longer held me captive. And so I was able to, to have these conversations and talk openly and not worry about being judged, you know, by other people, you know, because the only person that I care about being judged by is my little girl. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you're in such a unique position to be able to model for her 
as the man in her life of what, you know, she should expect. But at the same time, like I I would never put all that responsibility on you either, because she's going to pick up different things from all of the people in her life, you know, but sometimes those motivating factors are the things that help us to change, you know, the things that help us to be more willing to do the dirty work that for you, it might've been easier to sit in jail because the idea of like being in your own head seemed so much of a worse kind of place. Mm. You know, the idea of facing the truth, which is why people don't do it. That like the idea of me realizing and taking accountability for the things that I've either done wrong or the things that I keep doing that are hurting me or the people around me to recognize that the messages or the things that you're doing, you're giving to yourself. How are you being affected by the things that you're holding on to? And how is that kind of manifesting in your life? You know, and who are the people being affected by it? Because whatever's going on within you, it kind of ripples out, right? So people see these effects of what your struggle is, whether it's from something from childhood that like, you know, you were kind of brought up in this certain type of way to be this certain type of guy or girl. And that that's going to carry with you into your adulthood, you know, and being able to kind of break free from what you thought is who you were supposed to be and become this version of yourself that I think we all have a version of ourselves that like we think we're going to be. But our ties to our expectations, to others' expectations, to the idea of being something or having something that we're supposed to have or be, and that's exhausting too, that people don't like facing who they are. They don't like looking in the mirror. They don't like exploring things. It's easier to not do it. But I say too, like, you have to kind of choose which which hard you want in your life. It's either going to be hard now or hard later. Because at some point, you're going to be forced to figure out who it is that you need to be. So we're either going to face this now and kind of climb the hill so that we can get to a place of a plateau even where we can relax. Or even like that downward spot, that not a spiral, <laughs> but that downhill, which is much easier, right? Versus like pushing it away and further and further, years away. And now I still have to climb this frigging hill. And that's exhausting. So at some point, you know, we're going to have this, this moment where we're going to need to conquer something. If you know who you are better than maybe you did before, you're much more equipped to be able to do these things and climb and have the stamina to be able to sustain whatever struggles are going to come in your life sometimes that's just a part of life. Yeah. You know, yeah, a, lot, a lot of the times, I mean, I don't know how you were raised um, or if you have any kind of, um, you know, traumatic stuff in your past, but you know, a lot of th- people, it, trauma doesn't have to just be in your childhood. I mean, so I've, I know some people that have had, you know, really good childhoods, but their trauma comes in later on in life when they come across somebody like myself or for you, um, you know, it was your ex, you know, that, that took you to that point. And, 
you know, and it's, uh, you know, it, it comes in all forms and, and shapes. So my question to you is when you, so you're a licensed uh, psychotherapist, right? Mm-hmm. And so were you that during or before? Yes. And so that had to have been very difficult to like, you're, you're, you diagnose these things and you work with people like this, right? On a, on a daily mm-hmm. basis or, or with other people that have come across this kind of stuff. So I know you said that it was pretty embarrassing um, for yourself to have this happen when you're, so you're trained to spot it out. So to, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. There's a little bit of a lag here, so I apologize for that. No worries. Um, but I was just going to say, uh, yes. So I, so going back to what you were saying before, like my childhood growing up, I, I, I had my own struggles with anxiety and depression, you know, throughout my teen years. And, you know, I had some pretty like rough times there. Um which is kind of why I ended up going into the mental health field. Um, and then I had some of my own struggles like, again, kind of after college in, in this whole like self-awareness realm of being able to know who I am without having to, to depend on somebody else for my happiness and not living up to some sort of standard that I'm, 25 and I'm supposed to be somewhere else in my life. Um, so I started my career working with kids. So I was working with um, youth diagnosed with severe emotional disturbance. So I was dealing with a heavier side of mental health in children. So the idea of relationships and stuff was not a big topic of discussion. Um, it was, you know, you start seeing things. I actually saw something that somebody had posted on one of my social medias about gaslighting. And as much as like you learn about this stuff, like it's, it's a quick thing and you go on, you take your tests and you're done. Right. So I saw this definition and I, it was the first time I could relate to it. It was the first time I could know that like, Oh my God, that's happening. Right. So like, as I continued uh, on my own personal journey and continued to kind of work, you know, you learn, right. And you realize, and you have to be willing to see what's in front of you sometimes, because I mean, I've told a lot of my clients, a lot of different things (laughs) and they don't hear me or see what it is. So you do, you have to be ready and willing to be at a place because if I was going to see that my whole life was going to change. If I was going to admit that to myself, everything I thought I wanted was going to blow up in my face. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big part of why I wasn't ready to see that. I wasn't ready to stand up for myself because throughout the relationships I had in my 20s and kind of morphing into this person that everybody else wanted me to be, I didn't know what was left of who I was to be able to then take this leap of faith and figure it out. We stay in our comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes our comfort zone is the chaos that we have created. That this is my chaos, but it is mine. And I know how to operate inside of my chaos. So I do not want to leave my chaos because that sounds more chaotic. <laughs> but again, it's that mountain, right? So I'm pushing my, my hill, my mountain down the line because I'm not ready to climb it. Right? Would it have been easier to climb it five years ago? Maybe. Either way, I mean, it sucks. But I think sometimes, like, I was talking to somebody else about something similar. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't want people to have to hit rock bottom. And she said, no, I, they need to hit rock bottom. They just need to know it's okay to come back after they hit it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's much better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's true. You know, like I don't want anybody to have to suffer or to go through trauma or traumatic events. And if you don't have to, great. Let's get you so empowered and believing in yourself so significantly that, that the trauma that you experience and the situations will never bring you down to the place that I know all too well or the place that other people have been. Because mm -hmm. I mean, listen, you hear some of these stories, especially on Clubhouse and like they're terrible and you feel for these people. I don't want that for people, but I also understand that we get there sometimes. And there are situations that are outside of our control and there are extenuating circumstances. And sometimes we're our own worst enemy. But if you're down there or you've been there, you have permission to come back. That it's okay if you're not that same person. Like I used to tell I used to tell people like, she's dead. She's gone. She's dead. <laughs> and I thought that was a sad thing. I was sad for her. But I'm not anymore. Because we have to let go of some things to be able to welcome new, new things into our life. And again, like if you're down there, if you're rock bottom, or if you're some level slightly above, you can come out. It's okay. It will be hard, but you can do it. Trust me. I, just, I believe that. I believe that anybody can do it. Sometimes we need a little bit more help, right? Which is why I believe in therapy, which is why I've gone into this coaching. Because especially now during this pandemic, like therapy is so hard to get, you know? And uh, my therapy business is full, you know? So the idea of being able to have maybe a coach Somebody who is more hands-on, you know, who can be more accessible to you, who can be more able to really get down and deep and create this action. Because, I mean, I could sit on this side of the screen nowadays with telehealth and tell you and talk to you about things for an hour every week. And then you're off doing it on your own. You know, sometimes having an extra level of support and listen, sometimes that's a friend, sometimes that's a family member, sometimes that's random people you meet on Clubhouse. <laughs> but wherever it is that you find support, I think that it's important to have, you know. No, you're you're absolutely right. You, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. So for people that are listening or watching, um, what would you suggest, uh, you know, if they think that they may be in a situation like this or with somebody like who I used to be, uh, what are some of the things that you can tell them to signs to look out for? Uh, 
um, you know, things that, that if they aren't sure, um, you know, if they are in this situation, like what, what are some things that they can, they can look for to kind of confirm that and maybe, you know, where can they go to, to get some of those, that information uh, if they needed it or a resource? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with, um, there's a hotline it's called the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. It is 1-800-799-7233. Um, you can also get on the good old Google. And a lot of these places now have like chats or, or text options to be able to talk with somebody without getting on a phone call. Um, can you say that one more time so I can type it in here and put it on the screen? Yes, yes. It's 1-800-799-7233. And that's the National Abuse Hotline? National Domestic Abuse Hotline, yes. Um, but some of the things that I would definitely encourage people to watch out for are demeaning comments. And again, this is like so hard to measure for so many people, but if they, if they say something that just doesn't make you feel good, if it's making fun of you in any way, um, if they make comments about how smart you are, your intelligence, if they put down your job or lack thereof, if they um, make fun of the way you look or your weight, um, or how you spend your time, if they make you feel guilty for taking care of yourself, like going to the gym or seeing your friends or engaging in a hobby, um, if they try to talk you out of those things, your hobbies, if they, again, make fun of them, say that they're not worth it, um, any kind of name calling, any exercise of extreme control over you, again, I feel almost like guilty saying these things because they're very hard to measure. But, you know, again, if, if you feel something and they tell you, you don't feel that way, or if, um, you know, they're trying to convince you, like I said before, like this didn't happen or it didn't happen that way. How often is that happening and how secure are you in your recollection of, of the situation? Um, those are just a few things off the top of my head that I would definitely share. Um, but if anybody is, is concerned about that, please feel free to reach out. Um, I'd be happy to try to clarify if you have questions. Um, but again, I feel like if you're questioning it, these are some things that I would encourage you to look for that. If you just didn't see them that way before, that's okay. But now maybe you have just different lenses that you can see through and you'll realize that I don't really feel respected when you say that, you know, I don't really feel valued. I don't really feel like that's a, coming from a place of love, right? Because there's criticism, there's constructive criticism, there's advice, you know, that we can receive from people. But it feels a lot different when it comes from a place of genuineness and love. And even if they do come from that place, but then they criticize the same thing five, 10 minutes later, take how you feel and let that be your guide because your heart is going to guide you. Your gut is going to take you places. 
again, I, I said I was just in this um, this room, this abuse summit, and there was a, a, a man in there and he was supporting the, the female community in, in the summit. And he recited a poem. I don't know if it was his or somebody else's, but there was a point in it where he said, I love you, slap. I love you, slap. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> right? Because somebody can say something. They can say, I love you till they're blue in the face. Are their actions lining up with their words? Do you feel that their words are true? You know, sometimes it just comes down to being able to trust yourself and being willing to see and hear. But again, the offer stands. If anybody hears this and wants to reach out for clarification, I would be happy to just chat. Yeah, that's great advice. And, you know, as somebody that, that perpetrated these, these types of, of behaviors, I mean, it was, uh, it was that, you know, and it's, it's amazing what, what you do when you realize that you're losing control, right? You know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is about control. It's about controlling the situation. It's about controlling how, how you will need them to love you not necessarily how you need to love them. And mm. it, uh, it's all of that. It's all of those things. And for sure, a lot of it comes from insecurity. You know, you mentioned something about weight, right? What I'd found out or that I realized after I got myself out of the situation that I used to criticize my ex about her weight all the time. And then what, what, what I started realizing was, is that, it was actually, I struggle with weight too. And so what really was happening is that it was really me criticizing myself and projecting how I felt about me onto her. And, mm-hmm. and because I couldn't do it and I couldn't be as disciplined as I wanted to, when I would see her do it, I, instead of me taking the reins and changing that behavior, I just projected it onto her and, and criticized her for it. So I didn't have to deal with it myself. And well, I don't have the problem you do. Right. Because it's so much easier when it's somebody else's problem or somebody else's fault, you know, and it's, it's just easier to be able to put it somewhere else. Cause again, we don't like seeing ourselves in the mirror for, for what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and that idea of control, that idea of like, your, your love language, if you will. And, you know, that's something that I'm learning myself too. Like, I mean, we've, I've, I've heard of like love languages for a long time, right? Your love language, whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cute. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, like there are, there are different people who display love differently and there are people who need to receive love differently. And I think that that's a big part of, you know, knowing who you are, and, you know, how you kind of operate in a relationship. Are you capable and or willing to be able to love the person that you're with in the way that they need to be loved? You know, because if our love languages don't match and I keep giving you presents and giving you presents and giving you presents. And you're like, no, no, no I just want to hang out. And I'm like, I don't really want to hang out. Here's a present. Right. I'm not meeting your needs, but I, what do you mean? I love you. you. You don't get it. You don't how could you not see that I love you? Mm -hmm. Right. But 
speaking different languages. You know, so I think that that's a big part. Again, it goes into self-awareness. It goes into maybe this idea of not wanting to change what you want to do to accommodate somebody else. You know, and there are parts of that where I would say like, no, don't change yourself, like stay strong. But we're talking about maybe compromise, right? We're talking about understanding, you know, and I don't think that that's really ever a bad thing. Um, so it's it's at least discussion worthy, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So another part of this that I, we're at 44, so I want to touch on this before we run out of time here, um, is that when when children are involved in the situation and not wanting to disrupt the family unit and staying in something toxic um, because you, you oh, for the kids using the kids as an excuse to, to remain uh, somewhere that isn't healthy for you or your children, honestly. And, you know, one thing I have to talk about, I have to mention about being toxic is it's pretty sobering when, when you walk into a room and you realize that you're the, you're the toxic person in the room. <laughs> and, you know, you talk, you talk about toxic and, you know, toxic, to, you know, uh, toxic masculinity and toxic this and toxic that. And when you realize that, no, you know, the, the music stopped and you ain't got a chair because you're the toxic, you're the toxicity in the air. Right. And I mean, I didn't mean to make a rhyme with that, but I mean, that fits perfectly. Bonus. <laughs> <Not> bonus. <laughs> right. So let's, let's talk about kids. Do you, do you have kids? And I do. Yeah. And so did that play a part too? And, and why you kind of took, you know, you just didn't want to, you didn't, I mean, that's got to be hard, right? For sure. Um, so another part of my story is after I had my son, I struggled terribly with postpartum anxiety. Um, and my husband didn't understand it. He didn't understand what I was feeling, how I was limited, And I mean, I had a few other issues that were kind of going on at the same time, but he just couldn't get it right. That like, I would be up all night with the baby. I would be stressing about everything. I mean, anything that you could ever think of going wrong with a baby went through my head, everything. Right. So like my waking hours were so filled with stress and just torture that I was just putting myself through that like he would come home and be like, what'd you do all day? Nothing. Right. But like, I mean, being able to try to explain this to somebody who doesn't get it. Right. So that process for me was very difficult and I was, overly concerned for my child at that point. And there would be times where there would be arguments going on and like he would cry, you know, there would be times where, you know, we would argue and, and it would just, I didn't want that to be something that my kids ever experienced because growing up, my parents 
or have stayed married and they would fight a lot. And I hated feeling that way. I hated feeling all that tension, right? And like we talked earlier, the way we were brought up influences how we behave now, right? So like I lived in this environment where I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like how it felt. I didn't like my parents arguing. I don't feel like they wanted to be there. I don't want my kids to have that. Right. And I've talked to a lot of people who grew up in a divorced household. I don't want my kids to have that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I grew up with alcoholic parents. I don't want my kids to have that. Right. So, I mean, I never saw myself as somebody who would not have this intact family. But sometimes it's more than that. Right. It's more than what we thought we were going to have for ourselves. And I just didn't want my kids to be in a place where they were maybe receiving or interpreting messages of an unhealthy dynamic, no matter what was going on. So yes, it's difficult, but not impossible. And I know people who are unhappy and stay because of kids. You know, I know people who make other types of arrangements so that they can all stay together with their kids, you know? So there's so many different types of families at this point that as long as there is comfort, as long as there is some level of understanding and coexisting, I'm not necessarily against the way anybody chooses to kind of operate, but I think, yeah, it's, it is hard with kids and I just didn't want my children to be affected in any type of negative way. So sure, there are going to be things that maybe they want to have different in their life grow up, but my goal is to just make sure that they're loved. And I, I just want them to know that no matter what, we all love them, me, their dad, my family, everybody loves them. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. I, so that's just what I keep trying to get. Yeah. I always, I would always say, you know, I'd rather my, my daughter grow up in, in two happy homes and one miserable one, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it seemed, it seems like, cause you said you grew up in, in that kind of a, a environment, right? So growing up in that environment, do you think that that helped keep you where you were because it was sort of like, well, you know, my parents used to do this. And so, I mean, that's just kind of normal to you. Yeah. Yes, very much. And, you know, it's so interesting as you grow up, right? You see things as an adult that you saw as a kid with like adult eyes instead of kid eyes. And it's just like, like eye opening, if you will. But yeah, like I said, the way I thought my life was going to go is not how my life went, right? That I had this panic around 25, like, oh my God, I've got to get married. I got to get a real job. You know, I've got to get my life together, right? So, I mean, I was very much that person and, you know, I, I struggled with figuring out who I needed to be and I thought I was doing everything right. You go to college, I went to grad school, I got a job, I got married, I had the kids, I had the guy, I had the house. That's what you're supposed to do, right? 
why don't I feel the way I'm supposed to feel? And again, like I have a lot of clients that come to me around the age of 25 saying the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. you'll be fine. <laughs> but I think it is, it's a, it's a societal thing. I think it's also an astrological thing that happens that, you know, we hit this panic. We're like, I'm supposed to be an adult. I'm supposed to have these things. Why don't I have them? And then people rush to get them and people stay in a place that they're not happy to get the things that they're supposed to have. But again, I think this is something that is being rewritten in society now, mm -hmm. you know, that we're kind of coming out of this idea of what like is supposed to happen. And I mean, I see entrepreneurs propping up everywhere. I see, you know, it's okay to be happy at any age in any stage, you know, and I think that it's, something again that needs to be kind of communicated and talked about and yes I'm sorry I'm getting off topic but yes I think that you know I saw the way all of my family operated you know my family is intact and I'm grateful for that that like I was going to be different it's not what I wanted but I knew I couldn't stay where I was and sometimes that's more powerful for me. It was. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, ha I had to touch on that because it, I mean, we both share the same thing. And for me on the opposite end of that, I was seeing um, like my own childhood through my behavior and how it was affecting my daughter. And I didn't, you know, the, the, the first time that I seen her in, in a corner um, hiding because I was in a rage uh, and, and just, you know, just going off. I, I could, the only thing that I could think of was, man, I wonder if that was, if that was me when I was her age doing the same thing when my parents were fighting and it happened one more time after that. And then I was just like, you know what? That's it. That's enough. There, there's no way if I, if this is going to stop, it's going to have to stop right now. And it's going to have to start with me. And I need to be the example because I don't want her growing up like, like you explained and thinking that that's okay. Like that's what a relationship's supposed to look like because it isn't, that's not what a loving relationship is. A loving relationship is, is feeling like you have a partner that's equal to you and that raises you up and that makes you feel wanted and needed and loved and supported and in all the ways right? You know, not just, you know, it, it goes across the board with, you know, you have an idea, you think, you know, you want to do something, you, you have aspirations, you know, maybe you didn't, you don't like the job that you're in, and you think that you want to do something else. That's okay, instead of ridiculed for, for what, what, what do you want to do? You know, oh, that's stupid. Why would you want to do that? Well, Maybe because I'm spending 12 hours a day doing something that I'm unhappy in and I'm realizing that I'm showing up for the rest of the time that I'm awake as unhappy there as I was there. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that transfers, right? It transfers over. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're spending the majority of your day feeling like that, then it's going to affect the rest of your day when you're not sleeping. Yeah. You know? For sure. I think that carries over 
And, you know, sometimes when you're unhappy in a place, we're grasping at things to be able to find a level of happiness. I mean, I, 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 I did that. I did that for myself because I, I didn't have anything of my own, right? I wasn't able or willing at this point in my life to take care of myself. So I was like, one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this thing. And I was met with, really? Are you serious? Why? Oh, series on. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even just trying to do like, trying to do even what I'm doing now. I mean, listen, everyone's going to have an opinion about what it is that you and I may do, but to be met with messages like that's stupid or you're not going to make any money or you should just focus on your real job or you're really not that good at that. You know, you can't do that. You hear that enough and you believe it that you hear enough messages, whether they're from somebody else in your life or from yourself, you will believe it because your brain is, is malleable. It can be transformed. It can be convinced that if you are not replacing these messages, they're very, very easily turned into truth, you know, but we do, we try to find happiness somewhere. If it's, if it's not a place we expected it to be, you know, and it's, a, it's just, it's tough, you know, if you're always kind of like looking to grab onto something, but I mean, the way you were speaking before too, like the way you talk about your self-awareness, it's like refreshing. And, you know, it's something that I think I hope, I wish more people would be able to see in those moments, you know, to recognize that what you're doing is maybe not serving you or the people around you, right? Sometimes it is like a kid who sparks change because we see how they're affected. You know, and like I said before, the way you are, the way you feel, what you possess radiates out, which is why like, you know, part of my journey was investing in myself and taking care of myself and doing things that I liked and figuring out what I liked, which is why I made that that self-care bundle that I had shared with you earlier, because People don't do that, especially this last year in this craziness. But the idea of taking care of yourself doesn't have to be something that causes you guilt, which is what I had. That taking care of yourself doesn't have to be something that takes forever or costs a lot of money. But it's just a little something that you dedicate to yourself every day. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. But I think that that's such an important part of practicing self-awareness and being more open to recognizing the things that you want or need in your life. Wow. That was beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, let's, okay. let's uh, move on to a comment here. It's a pretty, pretty long one and Facebook user. So I don't know who you are because uh, it says Facebook user. So if you want to type in there uh, what your name is, there is a way that you can can get your name known on there for StreamYard, but you have to go in and give it permission to give Facebook permission or StreamYard permission to grab your information. So uh, if you could just type into the chat uh, 
uh, wh- who this is. I'd appreciate it. So I know who's uh, commenting. It says, I stayed for two and, or 12 and a half years and it took losing my sister in a car accident to finally reach my breaking point and decided to get out. I had been a stay-at-home mom because he didn't want me working because he felt if I had a job, I would become independent and leave him. He wouldn't even go to my sister's funeral with me. I did get a job and started saving every single penny I could to get a home for my children. He made it almost impossible to save, but my mother always told me, we're there, and... I missed the rest of it. So I, I but I get the point. I, I, I totally get where she was going with that. Um, yes. And then we have one from Pamela MT, who's one of my Facebook, uh, not Facebook, but YouTube uh, audience. And she watches most of the shows. Pamela, how are you? It says patterns are definitely passed down. Mm-hmm. And those around you. So let's talk a little bit about uh, we're we're on an hour, which I mean we're not really on a time time limit here per se, um, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, self care bundle that you that I had up there. Let me get it back up on the screen here, and uh, no, that's not it. That's not it. It's my dog going. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it. There's um there's a short little video series in there on how to engage in self-care, how to do it with less guilt. Um, There's a little um, article I wrote about what it really is. And there is a habit tracker in there, I believe, and just um, the benefits of it, which are so tremendous. Oh my God, I was reading this. I was creating this and I was like, oh my God, Jessica, you need a little more self-care in your life. We need to bring more of this stuff in. Because, you know, again, my motivation was that like, I wasn't doing it and I was feeling the effects. You don't realize it because it's it's that that welcomed chaos that we talked about, that that comfort zone chaos. But again, like um somebody um somebody who would do a clubhouse room actually, she told me that you need to just spend 14 minutes a day. And I was like, girl, I don't have 14 minutes a day to be like wasting. <laughs> and she goes, let me tell you something. 14 minutes a day is equivalent to only 1% of your entire day. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I can't say no to 1%. Like, how could I like 1% of your whole day and you can't dedicate 1% to yourself? And I was like, okay, I can. I can. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll do it. Because it, 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 I mean, it's so important, you know, and like, There are so many benefits that you get. And, you know, part of that, especially again, important now is like the immune health, the mood boost, because there are so many things that we can't do that if we start choosing the things that we can do, you're really serving yourself so much. Um, So again, I don't want to give it all away, (laughs) but there's something in there to kind of help keep you accountable. Um, There's a whole calendar in there with Um, some are blank and some there's one month that is full in of ideas that you could do every day to engage in self-care. So all you got to do is just kind of like take them out and plug them in different spots, depending on what month you end up finding us in. But um, it was created um, in the month of February, which in my uh, group is self-love month. So we were doing something every day to try to share a little love with ourselves, you know, and that's self-care. I mean, there's a difference, you know, self-love, I think is something a little bit softer and self-care is more of an action step, but 
in loving ourselves, sometimes we do, we have to take action. Um, so again, that's the reason that I was motivated to create this and to be able to share it with people because so many people that I know and that I've encountered and spoken to don't have time or they don't want to leave their kids. They feel bad or maybe somebody's making them feel like they can't, you know, or maybe they're just not motivated, you know? So again, realizing the benefits that you actually get out of it, if you just invest a little bit, you're going to get so much more out and it's tremendous. It really is. It's such a powerful tool that little by little each day, I mean, listen, I'm no mathematician, but let's take 1% each day, 14 minute each day. What does that add up to after a week or a month? that by a year you're 365% better than you started. Yeah. It's almost an hour and a half a day or hour and a half a week. Okay. So that's not a lot. You know, I, I've, I think I've wasted, I waste an hour and a half just staring at my computer, trying to figure out what the next move is sometimes with my show, you know, spinning in circles, okay. you know, if I'm trying to figure out what, well, damn, what, I, I need to make a course. Well, all right, well, I don't, I don't know how to make a course. Well, let's go and waste some time over here. So I don't have to deal with trying to figure out how to make a course. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I like, like even the idea of spending an hour and a half in like in a shot, like I could go to the gym for an hour and be like, Oh, am I good for the week? Yeah, that's good. Go to the gym for an hour. But the idea is the consistency. Mm -hmm. The idea is a little bit every day that you're investing in you, you know, because then if I spend an hour and a half doing something for myself, like that feels great. Like, sure, go get a massage, go to the gym, do what you want to do. But then you have what, uh, six more days where you're not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, listen, you could go up. It doesn't only have to be 14 minutes a day. But as you're saying that, I was thinking somebody's going to do, somebody's going to be like, I did my hour and a half. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But. You got to keep it in the, you got to keep it in the forefront. I mean, that's all, that's what worked for me is, you know, the continually talking about it and keeping it right here, right in front of me. So I don't forget about it. And, you know, I don't, as things come up as, as, you know, behaviors or, or feelings start to arise, or maybe that, that boiling point starts to come up, um, you know, I already know what it is because I've been thinking about it and talking about it, you know, for three days prior to that, or maybe a couple days prior to it. So it, it really doesn't get a chance to, to disappear out of my, out of my purview. And I'm really able to go, Oh, snatch it right before. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Get, get back here. Get back here. <laughs> we're not, we're yeah. not doing this today. You know, we're not going to, we're not going through this, you know, uh, we're not going to do anything that I'm going to have to apologize for you tomorrow. And <laughs> not today yeah and so that that really was what it was is because i would just get, I get so tired of of having to apologize apologize tomorrow for my actions today and you know that that you know i i had a, i would always be remorseful i mean i always feel bad about what i did and i think that's where that trick is you know but sometimes i don't think it's a trick i think it's just people really like myself really struggled with it and did feel bad but it would always come back and it would always come back because it just, it wasn't being dealt with, you know, it wasn't being addressed. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that was like, you hit the nail on the head because I think a lot of people are sorry, you know, for things, 
that they're maybe not intending to be hurtful. But until you get to the place that you're talking about where you became aware that you recognize that like you didn't want to do this anymore, that you weren't going to, things don't change as much as you might want them to, right? Like there are a lot of things that I didn't want to feel or a person that I didn't want to be, but I wasn't able to change or I wasn't as driven or motivated to change maybe, or I didn't realize what I needed to do in order to change, you know? So yeah, I think, you know, what you said was just so accurate and just so real that you could be sorry, but what do we do about it now? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like I just did this thing. I'm not really proud of myself for it. And I've had these moments, (laughs) but yeah, I think that that reflection is important. You know, again, it's not about hiding away and just waiting until this like thought or this memory goes away. So I don't have to think about it anymore, but I behaved this way and I wasn't really proud of myself. So these are the things that I'm going to start doing differently to make sure that that doesn't happen again, you know, or do my best at least. So I think that was good. Also, what, what, one last thing, well, we got to, well, let's take care of a couple of these things, but there was one last thing because something popped right in my head as soon as you were talking about that. And uh, you know what, maybe I should address that first. Cause I might forget about it if I get into this other thing. Um, movies. So did you ever like watch movies with your ex? Like sit down, sit down sure. and watch movies. And, you know, did you ever watch movies that maybe showed an abusive person that like you, the, the, the character on the screen is exactly your ex? I feel like, yes. And like, I, I have, and I remember, I, I remember like seriously watching and going like, Oh dude, that's me. And just like trying to like, slyly look over like is I wonder if she's thinking the same thing I'm thinking (laughs) yeah I like I remember certain things like that where I'd be like you know you do that and he's like no no but he would say it in this way that like you think he knows he does but he's just saying no right so there's this like I don't know if it's like a, a guy thing if you will but yeah, I can remember situations like that where I was just like, you know, huh, look at that. Look at that right there. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah, right. I just, I, that just popped into my head. And so, I mean, I would, I would be like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I don't, shame, the shame wave. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, I don't want to watch movies with you no more. <laughs> it's too real. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, all right. So let's get. Making a deal with it. Yeah, I'm not ready to deal with this yet. Um, so we got so it was uh, Alice Kinsell who said, "Where there's a will, there's a way." So that was the ending to. I thought that might be the end of it. And Alice, I want to tell you that I'm so proud of you. That's not an easy task. It's not an easy plan. It's not an easy thing to follow through on. But you are a warrior. Absolutely, and Alice is as a fan of the show and. Uh, for some time now and i appreciate your your watching and listening and always uh participating in these uh live streams so thank you alice pamela says again hi hi doing well thanks and those around you was about how being unhappy at work it's going to affect the rest of your life and those around you you're absolutely right 
I use a lot of post-it notes. Huh. I know someone else who does. Did she see my post-it notes? No, no, no. She just says I use a lot of post-it notes. And I'm thinking, well, oh, well, if you were here earlier. <laughs> I'm going to rip a couple off my wall because this is how I stay organized. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I went and bought. I, look, look at what I got. I got. I bought the Costco pack. Oh my god! I have to. So I'm at the end. I have several colors because I like to color coordinate. But look at how thin they are. I gotta get oh no! What are you gonna do? I don't know. I, maybe I'll go to Costco. But I like the colors. I don't really like the yellow. Well, the, the Costco has all the assorted colors. They have the purple, the the pink, and and all of that. Fuchsia, fuchsia, right, fuchsia, maybe I don't know. I feel like purple is my color. I like that color. All right, so I do. Yeah, I think that's great. I think we've covered quite a bit, and I am definitely happy that we had this conversation and that I was able to get you uh, to get on the show. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me. It's such a, a unique perspective to hear your side of things as well, and you know, I, I think our conversations are great. So. Thanks for the space. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be the last time that you come on the show because I think it's really, really important that we continue these, uh, you know, down the road and check in and, you know, if you have anybody or anything, or if you see anybody, cause do, do you have a podcast or no? I do not have a okay, podcast, okay. but I am branching into the YouTube channel thing. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. And if you ever need any help with, with uh, a podcast or, you know, you want to conceptualize it or actually see, you know, maybe what that looks like. Cause I do have a YouTube as well. Um, feel free to reach out to me, man. I can give you a lot of information oh. and uh, you know, kind of help you through the pains that, uh, that I went through. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, trust me, it's a there, two, two years almost now. And there's so much that I thought I knew but once I got into clubhouse and got into the, to the rooms, I was like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm a beginner again. Like there's like this whole, the whole thing that I didn't like I'm, that I'm not even doing right. Not that I'm not doing right, but it could be doing better. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, I've been picking up a lot of tips and tricks and, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. And if, if you ever, yeah. if you ever want to just let me know, uh, we got a cup. Um, Tech is not my favorite topic. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be expensive either. I mean, you know, you hear, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, get the misconception is that, oh, you've got to have all of this equipment and, you know, all of these things and like, oh my God, where do I start? Where do I even begin? How do I know? I mean, it, it's not that difficult. And it's, 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 it's pretty simple, actually. We got a couple more of these before we head out of here. I said, oh no, oh oh, lol, I missed the beginning. Well, it's a great thing that it's a, a live stream because you can replay it. Well, I don't think the post it notes were in it. So, Pamela, you didn't really miss it, but we let you in on a little secret because it happened before we started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got, uh, thank you for everything you do. So many of your stories have been things that happened in my life. Look, my brother's story up. His name is John Kinsell. And yeah, she's, uh, she's, her brother is a part of the justice impacted, uh, community, which I talk about quite a bit and actually have some, some cool things that I'm working on, uh, that will be helping the justice impacted space. And I can't really talk about it unless I, uh, unless you sign an NDA. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's how real it is and how close I'm getting to, to actually launching this thing that I want to do to help this space and this population. So 
Yes, yes, yes. Big things. And I was talking to somebody today and, and I had a meeting and man, it was really powerful. I was, I was actually crying. It's been happening quite a bit lately. Um, you know, it's just all that stuff that's right under the, like just right there, right under the surface, man. And it doesn't take a whole lot to let the floodgates open. So, um, yeah, it happens to me twice this week too, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know the the only way the only way over it is through it, right? And absolutely, you got to take the power away by speaking about it and just continuing to live in your truth, your authenticity, and and for me, being transparent because I used to like to hide behind a lot of different things. So you know, yeah, this podcast has definitely been a catalyst to make me accountable and keep me accountable for my for my actions and to continue the conversation and moving it forward. So, yeah. And like the idea of like telling the story and knowing who it's going to go to, like Les Brown had said, you know, it's more of the less of me, mm-hmm. right. I'm not telling it. I'm not telling you this for me. I'm telling it to the person who needs to hear it. Like it's not about me. So as, as difficult as it may be for me or as, cringeworthy as it feels sometimes for me to tell Mara, you to tell your story. It's for the person out there that needs to hear it. Absolutely. And you know, one of the, one of the things that either one of us could be saying in, in anything that we do could be that one thing that uh, keeps somebody going one more day and not, you know, ending it mm-hmm. because if you or I can do it, they can do it too. Trust me, if I can do it, anybody can. All right, awesome. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to throw this back up here. I'm going to pull these things down. And all of the links and everything that I've been flashing up and playing with over here in my little little zone um, can be found in the uh, description, direct links, uh, you know, her, uh, Jessica's bio, all of her stuff is going to be there in a direct link as well. Um, and I'm going to pull you out and get us out of here. And I will talk to you down in the green room right after that. Bye, <laughs> Bye Jessica. Thank you again. <laughs> thank you. And thank you everybody who was tuning in. It's really nice to have that support there. All right. Thanks again. Wow. That was a great conversation. I I absolutely loved every bit of it. And I hope you did too. Um, If you guys uh, have questions, concerns, or if you just want to reach out to me and maybe you want to have a comment or something that you want me to read on the show, feel free to reach out to the email at nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. We talked about clubhouse a little bit here. Uh, If you are on clubhouse and you want to follow myself, there you go. Uh, At Sean Dustin is my handle at clubhouse. And then to connect to the show, all of the ways to connect to the show are through my link tree. Um, you can go you know, support the show through Patreon. You can actually buy me a coffee, too. I mean, that's a new thing that they've got out there. Uh, so if you're getting value out of what I'm putting out uh, and you want to return some of that value back, there are tons of ways to do it. And the link tree is the first place that you need to go to figure that out. Um, yeah, and I have tomorrow... Uh, two more this week. So I have one tomorrow at six 
which is another clubhouse acquisition, Georgiana, and she is a podcaster and she will be uh, talking about her story and some of the trauma and struggles that she had in her life. And then we go on to another one with Celeste Resch at 6 p.m. on Friday. And that is another individual who I'm friends with and that I've met, uh, not on Clubhouse, but through Twitter. And we started talking. I was just on her show last, uh, I think, on Monday. And we will be talking about abusive relationships. And she was a victim of domestic abuse as well, uh, except hers was more physical uh, abuse. And so we're going to be talking about that and having that conversation and uh, hopefully doing some more healing through that. So, you know, every time I talk about this stuff, and Cheryl Kelly Lee, thank you, Cheryl. You've been a great uh, supporter of the show, and I definitely appreciate all of you guys that are participating and adding value to what we're doing here. So amazing. Uh, I actually forgot what I was just going to say where I was at. And that's one of the uh, some of the downfalls of having this stuff because you get I get sidetracked on the uh, on the comments. But I mean, I, th- I think you you get the point though. Um, I'm definitely having a lot more of these conversations because I think they're very important. And there's going to be a lot more justice impacted things coming across on my content as well. Uh, yep, Pamela, they are hard topics, but they are very important to talk about because the more we talk about it, the more we become aware of what's happening around us. And giving permission, uh, giving other people permission to talk about it as well. So there's only one, there, there's nowhere to go but up, right? And uh, that's exactly where where I've found myself many times. And I think that's where we are kind of societally right now. And we are in the age, I think we're in the second age of enlightenment, honestly, where more people are becoming aware of the things that are happening around them and more people are becoming aware of, of, of everything. And uh, I look forward to the future and I have hope for the future and sorry for looking down instead of looking at the uh, camera. I tend to have a bad habit of doing that. So, you know, there's me, Mr. Transparent, I'm always willing to talk about myself and, and the things that I that I fail at. But as long as I'm failing forward, that's about as much as you can ask for. Right. That's a great way to to do it. You know, let's try not to fail as much. But when we do fail, let's fail forward. So that was a lot to say, a lot to uh uh, get to and keep it 100 stay true to yourself because that's the best way to be honestly you've been listening to the nowhere to go but up podcast sean is a single dad a union blue collar guy and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud when he was released from prison in 2006 all he had was the clothes on his back a bag of mail and some paperwork Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.